Support for Yale Cancer Answers comes from AstraZeneca, the company behind your cancer, an effort to bring together the community that has worked together to bring us miles closer to a world without cancer. Learn more at yourcancer.org. Welcome to Yale Cancer Answers with Drs. Anise Chagpar and Stephen Gore. Yale Cancer Answers features the latest information on cancer care by welcoming oncologists and specialists who are on the forefront of the battle to fight cancer. This week, it's a conversation about international medicine with George Senyange. George is a medical exchange student, and Dr. Chagpar is a professor of surgery at the Yale School of Medicine. So, George, maybe you can tell us the story of how exactly you came here to Yale. Uh, the story the story dates back uh, three years ago when I, when I was in Uganda at Makere University uh, during my medical school. Uh, in my in my in my fourth year, we usually have an exchange exchange program with Yale due to collaboration with Makere University. I was in Makere University, uh, that's the university I used to study in in Uganda. And during during our fourth year, all students are given a chance to 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 to, to go to universities outside Uganda and do have a collaboration with many universities in America. And Yale is among Yale is among them. So I happen to be interested in Yale because I think it's one of the best in in the, in, in the country. So I decided to apply for Yale. Many students who are interested in coming to Yale. So it was a very it was a very tight race. Uh, there were there were around twenty six students who were shortlisted for this rotation. Uh, they pick out they pick out they pick out twenty six best students in the in the class of one hundred and twenty medical students, and the 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 best twenty six are shortlisted to apply and do interviews. So I happened to be among the twenty six, and there were two slots available for Yale. It was a very competitive process. So I applied. I applied. I put. I, I. I. gave in my personal statement, my CV, and I did a lot of interviews. And luckily, I was among the people who, who were who were chosen. Amount out of twenty six. It was a very tight competition because we had to. We, we had. We had. They, they gave us. They gave us time to wait for the results. So the tension. The tensions were high. Yeah. So. After after being selected, uh, we made the trip. We we did the interviews at the beginning of the year, 2016, in January. So they took time to process the uh, the applications and and the and the CVs we put in. Uh, so when the when the announcements came out in April, we started preparing. It was a very long process. Uh, that was the first time I came. I I actually traveled outside Uganda. Wow! Um, I'd never been outside Uganda before. So, so congratulations, first of all. I mean, that's quite the accomplishment. Two students out of uh, over 100 students uh, actually get to come to Yale from your medical school in Uganda. What kind of factors did they look at in deciding which students would come? And how, did, how does that process work? Uh, basically, the process, uh, we, we, we have one-on-one uh, -on -one interviews with a panel. There's a panel that, uh, that interviews all the students, including the principal of the college and the dean and many other people in the, in the program who have, who, have, who, have, who have gone through the program. Uh, so they, consider, they, they are considering your self-confidence during the interview and your ability to express yourself in English. And then uh, the shortlist was made based on on people's uh, the CGPA your performance in the in the in the in the in the class uh, in the previous years because you have a cumulative uh, GPA that, that they used to assess the students. Uh, so, <coughs> so, so, uh, um, 
the the CGPA comes into factor then are your confidence during the during the interviews you have to be very confident when you are during the conduction of these interviews uh so th- these are these are some of the factors they they, they considered yeah and and so then you made your very first trip outside of Uganda and what was that like i mean was it exciting or was it nerve-wracking or a little bit of both it was very exciting because I, i i never thought i would get onto a plane and fly out of Uganda I didn't grow up in a very rich background so the first time was very exciting it was really exciting because in my in my family I was the first sibling to board a plane out of Uganda wow most of them had been in the country for all, all their lives and so you flew on a plane you came to the US and when you landed here um what were your plans in terms of what uh, your rotations would be like and what were you planning to achieve during your time here at Yale uh my my main plans while here is i want wanted to experience uh medical practice in a, in in a, in a developed world setting uh, in uganda we usually practice medicine in a resource limited facility the patients are very many and the resources are less so i wanted to see how how, how medical practices here in 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 the in the united states uh the teach the the the, the, the type of uh, the, t- the teach the, the teaching is also different uh they are their lecture the lecturing system is very different and always also very different so i wanted to i wanted to compare two systems and then also the 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 magnitude of diseases that you deal with in 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 uganda are the same as the ones they deal with here in the us in the us many the focus most 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 of the patients you see were mainly are patients with non-communicable diseases in Uganda most of the patients have communicable diseases are HIV uh, malaria uh, most of most of most of them have uh, diarrheal diseases especially in the pediatric in the pediatric patients uh, diarrhea is a very is a very common disease in the pediatric population so here i go to see diseases that i wouldn't have seen in the in Uganda and then the diagnostic modalities that they use here to diagnose diseases they have they have, they have different tests they were using to to assess a patient as soon as they come in in Uganda usually are uh, the to make a diagnosis uh, you first you base most, most most of your diagnosis on the physical examination since most of the patients can't afford the the, the diagnostic tests patients can't afford uh the 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 mris x-rays uh uh the the blood tests so you have to be very you have to be very you have to be very uh conscious while doing the physical exam so that you don't miss out a saying mm-hmm. so and here 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 is like every patient i saw as being at least every patient who was admitted that to do that to do uh the that that do some blood tests at least uh, a full blood count was or it's mandatory and they they, they used to do are uh, the the electrolysis called it a chem7 uh, during my rotation here so it was a, it was a, it was a very it was a very good experience many things many things i got to experience that were not uh practically being done in Uganda because of the the limit the, the limitation of the resources we have. And how long is your rotation here at Yale? Uh in 2016 I came here for a month. It was a clinical rotation. Uh, I was still a medical student then, so I did a one month rotation. Uh after after I did the the, well, the one month rotation in the infectious disease department at the Yale New Haven Hospital. And it was a very interesting our rotation I had a very good attending who was very nice and helped me adopt into the system because the the system they were using was very sophisticated uh they were using a computer system uh, they call it epic mm-hmm. to, to 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 keep up with the patient data and information uh, in Uganda we usually use our uh, charts and papers very few hospitals use the computer system so it was it was really hard adjustment so 
she helped me adjust to the system yeah. and be able to learn something. So certainly, I mean, there there are many differences in the U.S. medical system as opposed to Uganda. Different patient populations, different diseases, different availability of resources, blood tests, x-rays, different electronic medical record systems versus a chart system. But was your goal to go back to Uganda? And if so... How did your experience in the U.S. help you when you go back? Because the patients would be different. The availability of tests would be different. Um, So did you find that it was an interesting experience but not really relevant? Or did you find that it was really complementary to what you were doing in Uganda? Uh, According to me, I think it was a a relevant experience, much as uh, the the diseases may be different, but some of the the principles of medicine, uh, they can be be transferable to apply to our patients. there, there is uh, regarded the, the, the disease may be different, but there there are some aspects that 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 you can still apply in Uganda. For example, when I was there, I got introduced to how to read an ECG. Mm-hmm. In Uganda, basically at undergraduate level, we don't uh, we don't do we don't, we don't study an ECG. So most of the times, the ECG, the, it's also called some people call it the EKG. Mm-hmm. This is for uh, diagnosing heart problems. So in Uganda, the undergraduate students uh, don't they don't focus more on the on the on the on the ECG, so where 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 some some of the skills I got because here they try to teach you uh, how to diagnose the patient. Uh, the the classes are more focused on the diagnostic modalities, but in Uganda the the ECG is only read by physicians, people who have already specialized. Mm-hmm. So as 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 an undergraduate doctor, I can't I I wouldn't normally be able to read an ECG. So when I when I went back, I could uh, I could still be able to read the ECG. And then uh, the X-rays, I got more, more, <clears throat> more, more, more expertise in reading the X-rays. Uh, in Uganda, they just they, they don't spend too much time in teaching the regular doctors as to how to read an X-ray because there will be radiographers who are trained to read out these these X-rays. So usually they come with reports. Yeah, and and the number of X-rays that are done in Uganda is much smaller than the number of X-rays done here. So you were here for a one-month rotation back in 2016, and then you went back home to Uganda. What happened then? Uh, During that that time, I was still a medical student, so I was was in my fourth year. In Uganda, we use the British system for medical school. Our system, uh, you do a a medical degree for five years, so... During that time, during that time, I was I was almost in the I was, I was in my fourth year. I was left with one year to finish medical school. So after that, after after that one year, I was supposed to do an internship, a medical internship in any public hospital. So after after completing the my fifth year, I applied for an internship, which I did for one year from 2017 through 2018. So in between in between 2017 and 2018, I was working in a hospital as a as an intern doctor. Uh, after that, after, after that one year period, you can decide to go back and specialize and become a physician or a gynecologist, any specialty that, you, that you're very interested in, or you could, you could become uh, they, they, we call we call them medical officers in Uganda, They're like general practitioners, but they haven't gone back to specialize, but they can still practice medicine in other other hospitals because uh, in Uganda the problem is that the doctors the doctors to the doctor to patient ratio is very low so most of the hospitals the very many hospitals don't have specialized they can't afford specialized doctors so they try to bridge the gap with these medical officers who are not specialized so that they can they can try to treat the diseases that that are not very complicated 
you can do a cesarean section uh you can you can you you, you can you can do minor surgeries uh hernia fees uh you can also do circumcisions most most of the minor surgeries can be done by these doctors mm. but for the complicated surgeries the complex surgeries are usually referred to the regional referral hospitals to be handled by the specialized surgeons so during during that period i was trying to, I, i was i was getting that internship because you can't get a license without the internship so after the internship for one year uh, at, the, at the end of 2018 in in november i i came i came back here for the research fellowship So you came back for a research fellowship and uh, had you at that point decided that you were going to specialize in a particular field or was this year of research kind of just to get some grounding in research before you decided whether you were going to be a medical officer or whether you were going to become a physician of various specialties? Uh, com- coming here, I had, I had specific interest in HIV research because HIV is one of the diseases that is uh, that is affecting uh, the population in our country. Uh, in in Africa, I think we have the we are tenth ranked in terms of prevalence of HIV in Africa. So I I I, ke- I came here to get to to try 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 and get more experience in terms of HIV research because as I was here, I was on the infectious disease unit. So I got to interact with many, many infectious disease physicians and I picked an interest in HIV. And even during my high school, I used to volunteer an HIV research project. So I had a special interest in HIV and I, I thought that this, this, this research fellowship would help me uh, look at it at the broader perspective and see what I can accomplish in yeah. the field of HIV research and maybe try to apply it in Uganda Perfect. Well, we're going to take a short break for a medical minute. And then after the break, we'll learn much more about your journey into HIV research and potentially what is in store when you go back. Support for Yale Cancer Answers comes from AstraZeneca. Addressing cancer takes a whole community. To celebrate the real difference makers, AstraZeneca is introducing Your Cancer. Learn more at yourcancer.org. This is a medical minute about breast cancer, the most common cancer in women. In Connecticut alone, approximately 3,000 women will be diagnosed with breast cancer this year. But thanks to earlier detection, non-invasive treatments, and novel therapies, there are more options for patients to fight breast cancer than ever before. Women should schedule a baseline mammogram beginning at age 40 or earlier if they have risk factors associated with breast cancer. Digital breast tomosynthesis, or 3D mammography, is transforming breast screening by significantly reducing unnecessary procedures while picking up more cancers and eliminating some of the fear and anxiety many women experience. More information is available at YaleCancerCenter.org. You're listening to Connecticut Public Radio. Welcome back to Yale Cancer Answers. This is Dr. Anise Chagpar, and I'm joined tonight by my guest, George Senyange. We are discussing the medical curriculum, international exchanges, and his journey from Uganda to here uh, at Yale. So, George, 
Before the break, you were telling us that you had come for a one-month period during medical school as an international exchange student interested in infectious disease. And after you finished your medical school in Uganda, along with a one-year internship, you decided to come back to Yale to do a research fellowship looking at HIV. Tell us about the process of applying for that research fellowship. Was that straightforward? I know that when you were applying just for that one-month elective, it was a very rigorous process. Was it the same kind of thing um, when you were applying for this research fellowship? Thank you. Uh, for the for the research fellowship, it wasn't a hard process because I during my during my during my clinical rotation in 2016, I got to meet I got to meet. My, my my attending was very was a very friendly person, so she introduced me to my current PI, uh, Professor Sutton. Uh, he works is a is a is a is a researcher in the infectious disease department. So through her, I met I met him. I I was able to meet him, and I told him about my interest in the infectious disease research. So he was able to invite me for a six month fellowship after after I was I was done with the internship. So that wasn't a hard process. Luckily, so, so I was able to come back here for another six months to learn more about HIV research. Excellent. So this research fellowship is uh, for six months. And tell us more about your research and what you're doing in the lab. Uh, my my project focuses on mainly, uh, I'm, do, I'm doing a, pro, a, a project on uh, exploring the, the trans post-transcriptional regulation of the CCR5 receptor. A CCR5 receptor, it's a receptor on the CD4 cells uh, in the Lehman languages there, in the Lehman language, the white blood cells. Uh, so this receptor, it's, it's one of the core receptors, one of the two receptors required by HIV to gain access to the to the, to the human cells, the, the white blood cells, the CD4 cells, to be able to infect the human body. Uh, without this receptor, it would be very hard for the HIV HIV virus to infect the cells. So what I'm looking at is how the body, because there, there, there are some patients who, there's a specific population in the world that can't get the HIV infection because they are, they are, this receptor in their body is is dysfunctional. Mm. So I'm trying to I'm trying to look at the the mechanism in which we the body regulates uh, this receptor to make it uh, less expressed on on top of the cell surfaces and in in in, in a way prevent the HIV from getting into the cells. That, so that's what that's basically what I'm looking at at a molecular level. Yeah, I mean that sounds fascinating that I mean if you can get the body to uh essentially not have or to fight against this receptor that allows HIV to get into the body and and if you can turn that off somehow and therefore make HIV not get into the body, uh, you could potentially have a huge impact, especially in Uganda where HIV is so prevalent. So is it your goal to then take that back to Uganda and um, try to move your research f- further in, in that country? Yes, uh, it's my it's my goal to try and gain some gain some experience in HIV research and techniques, and then I can try to apply try 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 and move on and do research this research in Uganda because most of the labs are not well equipped to do most most of the procedures done here. But with time, maybe I can apply for grants that would help us maybe build uh, labs that are set of there to be able to do this research in in the country. Yeah, because I think it would have. Uh, a lot of benefits in 
in, ter- in, ter- in terms of trying to f- uh, advance uh, the HIV research and try to help people in in my country. Certainly. I mean, when we were talking about your experience in terms of the clinical rotation back in 2016, we talked about the fact that, you know, many of the patients there cannot afford what is commonplace here, regular blood work, X-rays, MRIs, uh, even the the clinical record system in Uganda tends to be paper and pencil, whereas here we have fancy electronic medical record systems. I would anticipate it would be the same in terms of research, whereas here you may have fancy equipment uh, in the lab, fancy um, techniques uh, to help further your research, that those may not be available in Uganda. So, what is the the mechanism uh, by which uh, you can acquire those techniques in Uganda? Are there grants that allow you in Uganda to do this research with these new techniques and technologies that you're learning about here? Or uh, are there ways of doing the same research, perhaps in a low-cost way, uh, that may be more sustainable in Uganda? I think with the with the, with the right amount of grants we can we can we can build labs that can that that, that can do this type of research in Uganda because uh there, there there are many people who are trained in this research but they can't they, they, they won't have labs where they can apply this knowledge so if we can get grants that can help us build some of these labs that can do this research and we have we have we have a population with many patients so that there, there, there won't there won't be uh, a limitation to the number of uh uh research research specimens research and so specimens on. we can yeah. use to conduct this research uh so most people gain knowledge in this research but they can't practice it in Uganda so they end up uh, having to leave the country to go and maybe work in labs outside Uganda because the labs in Uganda don't have the equipment, so I'm, I'm thinking that maybe if we can get a grant uh, to help us build these labs, uh, then maybe we can make progress in this field in Uganda. Tell us more about the infrastructure in Uganda. I mean, here, when people want to do research, we have things like the National Institutes of Health, the NIH, um, and other major organizations whose uh, modus operandi, their their reason for being is really to provide grants to researchers. Does Uganda have a similar mechanism? Is it possible to get grants through the Ugandan government? Or where would you foresee getting grants to help you to build this research infrastructure back home? Uh, in, in, in Uganda, there are also there, there, there are think tanks and research organizations that offer these, these grants. Uh, actually, my 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 research my my grant that's funding my stay here is I got it through the Uganda Virus Research Institute. Uh-huh. Uh, it it paid for my travel expenses and <clears throat> and my my subsistence costs while while I'm here. So there are organizations in Uganda, though the grants are not very big, but the organizations that offer these grants, uh, the Ugandan government also tries to fund some of some of these research projects. But most of the people who get uh, the the big money grants are mainly from extra from funding outside outside the state. So most people apply to uh, uh, different organizations outside Uganda to try and get these grants to do this research. So things uh, like Bill and Melinda Gates, for example. Yeah, yes, the, the Gates Foundation. Okay. It, it funds some of the research in 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 the country. Yeah. Uh, CDC also has some projects there. Excellent. 
And so after your six months here, your plan is to go back to Uganda and to set up a research infrastructure uh, to study HIV. Um, is it your plan also to practice medicine there? I mean, are you planning on getting a residency while in Uganda? Uh, yes, uh, the, the, main, the main reason I got into the medical, the, the, the medical career and field is to try and help patients in Uganda because uh, there are many patients out there who can't get access to good quality medical care. So it's, it, it's, it's one of my goals to practice medicine. So I'm thinking of a way of trying to practice, med to practice medicine also doing the research part. So I, I plan to go back and complete my residency and become a physician. And then uh, during that process, I can also pursue a, P a PhD in molecular biology so that I can try and try, try and merge these two fields together in, in, in my career to help try and bring out the best and help uh, the people of Uganda. That's fantastic. So in terms of a clinical specialty, are you thinking about doing your residency in internal medicine or infectious disease um, to align with your research interests? Uh, in, in, in Uganda, if you have to do internal infectious disease, is part of like, it's kind of a subspecialty in, in internal medicine. So mm -hmm. you first do a residence in internal medicine for yeah. three years, then you can subspecialize in infectious diseases to, to become an infectious disease specialist. And is so, that your plan? Yeah, that's my, that's my plan. And you can get a PhD from your home institution uh, as you do that? Yes, there are, there are different PhD programs in 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 Macquarie University. It's in it's one of the the biggest universities in Uganda. So it's one I went to, and I think they have they have, they have programs that can offer me PhD a PhD program in Uganda. That's fantastic. And then after you get that PhD and you finish your clinical. Uh, residency and you become an infectious disease doctor. Um, is it your plan then to uh, become faculty at that university or would you be in private practice? I, I, I would prefer to become faculty in the university because I want to impart the knowledge to the to the young students who, who are also who would be interested in this in this career but they don't get the right mentorship to mm -hmm. pursue this career so i think i would prefer to remain in faculty to try to try to try and uh, build the sector try and build the sector a foundation for research, foundation of researchers in uganda to help advance the the the, the developing the developing research in yeah I mean, that's it, it's so fantastic to hear your story of, you know, being from Uganda, taking your first trip ever outside of Uganda to come to Yale um, and having this impactful experience where you learned about infectious diseases. And now you're doing research in HIV with a plan to go back and really help your country, help patients there, help to develop research there and help to inspire the next generation of physicians in Uganda. What do you think? are really the key problems in Uganda in terms of healthcare delivery. We all know that there are disparities around the world in terms of access to care. But if you were going to change anything, what, what are the top few things that you think really would be most impactful in terms of reducing global burden uh. of disease? I think uh, the the main problem is that uh, the resources are limited. Uh, like I mentioned, uh, there are very few 
health facilities in, in Uganda are the hospitals with doctors are fewer. Most hospitals, most hospitals have uh, nurses. Most health centers, not hospitals, most health centers have nurses running them uh, because the medical personnel in Uganda is not there. There are not very, there are not very many trained medical personnel in Uganda. The doctors, especially in the villages, the rural areas, you find uh, one doctor having to take care of over a population of like ten thousand people. So the the doctors are not there, uh, and then uh, the resources are limited. Uh, some some of them don't have access to the drugs by the government. They don't reach the the health facilities. So we are having that problem, and then <coughs> uh, and some 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 of the problems that's also impacting the healthcare delivery system is that many people many people are not educated. So they they prefer to go to traditional healers. Uh, they still have that belief that uh, they don't believe in, in, in modern medicine, so they prefer to go to their traditional healers. Actually, there are some women up to now who still go to traditional birth attendants to uh, conduct their deliveries. So that's also another major hindrance in uh, delivering these health services. You may find a place that has these facilities, but people 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 are not sensitized enough to go and use them. Yeah. Uh, so that's also that was, that also becomes uh, a hindrance in this health service delivery. So, you know, and many of these problems that you elucidate are very common in many low to middle income countries. A lack of of physicians well below the World Health Organization standard of one doctor per thousand. You know, as you say, in many places, especially in rural parts of low to middle income countries, that number is one in 10,000 or even worse. Is that because there aren't enough medical schools or there aren't enough students applying to medical schools in these countries or that these students leave and never come back? Why is it that there aren't enough doctors uh, in, in Uganda? Uh, the, 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 the doctors, are, currently the number of doctors coming out of medical school has increased because less uh, in my year, were around one thousand, around five hundred doctors that were produced in by the country in that year who were doing internship. Uh, the medical officers were well, specialized. They were around uh, five hundred. So the 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 numbers are relatively increasing, but most people most people leave the country around around like thirty percent of the doctors produced will end up leaving the country in like five years time, and then. Uh, <coughs> And then most doctors don't like to work in the rural areas because uh, the facilitation is very poor. So they are they are, they are, they are very far from the city. Uh, they, they 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 don't get good facil- facilitation. So they end up actually leaving their posts and not working there. Mm. They end up coming back to the city to try and get uh, other side jobs in the in the in the city. So you find a place that has a registered doctor on the payroll of the government, but the doctor shows up once in a month. Yeah. So that also becomes a problem in the service delivery. So you find uh, patients being taken care of by un- un- untrained uh, health workers. Yeah. So, I mean, part of it, I think, to your point, how do we encourage physicians to get out into the rural areas where the people are, um, in part relies on improved facilities, which was another uh, of the obstacles that you had mentioned in terms of access to good facilities, access to care. Is that 
access to care limited by simply the fact that there is poverty and people cannot afford uh, blood tests and x-rays and uh, and to see uh, specialized doctors or is it that there's actually a lack of facilities there's there is no hospital so even if you had the means um, there isn't a, a resource for you within uh, several miles uh, most most of the hospitals in in the rural areas they try the government tries to make them free uh, the public hospitals are usually free for the for the people who for the for the for the rural people who who attend the hospitals, uh, so most of them are free. But the problem is that the 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 the, the utilities and the sundries that are to be used by the the doctors and the drugs, uh, most of them do not reach the hospital. George Senyange is a medical exchange student at the Yale School of Medicine. If you have questions, the address is canceranswers at yale.edu, and past editions of the program are available in audio and written form at yalecancercenter.org. We hope you'll join us next week to learn more about the fight against cancer here on Connecticut Public Radio.